Hey there. My name is Aubrey Henderson. I'm a self-worth coach and professional calm in the chaos. I believe that when you're feeling stuck in your life and you can't decide on the next right step, that getting some perspective or a pep talk from someone outside of your shoes can be an absolute game changer. This podcast is that pep talk. Every week, I'll share my responses to listener questions, real life coaching sessions, and interviews about topics that you can connect with and learn from. All things that will help you to reconnect with your own self-worth and inner goodness and vision for your life so you can feel great and get shit done. Welcome to Ask Aubrey. I'm so glad you're here. Hey babes, welcome to this week's episode. We are just going to jump right in with a question that I received by email. Hello, I'm discovering that I'm a people pleaser and I'm working closely with my therapist to work on some of that. I'm also in the process of becoming a foster parent and I'm a little nervous about moving forward in the process because of my people pleasing tendencies. Do you have an episode that touches more on this? I think my biggest fear is that by accepting a child with trauma into my life and home without being 100% healed and operating on all cylinders, I might be doing them a disservice, if that makes sense. Okay, so I this falls into a variety of questions I get a lot. So, you know, between sessions with my clients to conversations I have with friends or with colleagues to, you know, places where I interact with folks in comments on social media and not necessarily about fostering specifically, right? But more broadly about this idea of being healed enough. And I'm doing air quotes, but this is a podcast. You can't see those, uh, but being, quote, healed enough to do something. So it's things like, I'm a recovering people pleaser. How will I know if I'm recovered enough to date again? Right? Or, you know, I'm thinking about pursuing painting full time, but I'm not sure if I've overcome my own self-doubt or my own self-worth issues to start yet. Or, you know, Aubrey, I want to pursue something meaningful to me, right? Have a joyful experience, celebrate myself. But I don't know if I'm recovered enough, healed enough, improved enough. And, you know, I totally get this impulse to want to be responsible about plunging into a big thing. I'm a planner, so I fully understand that. And I also get how, you know, this is nuanced because foster care feels like a particularly sensitive thing here. There are, you know, vulnerable kids and families involved and there's trauma involved. And so I'll, I'll talk about that more specifically in a minute. But, you know, for me, I hear a question like this. And the main thing that I think and the main takeaway that I want to share with you is that this idea of being healed enough or being 100% all the way recovered, having your recovery or your healing be complete, it's not a thing. So there is no magical finish line of being healed enough that will make you deserving or worthy of the experiences that you want. And that's, again, like if you get nothing else out of this episode, this is the main thing I want you to take away, is that there is no finish line. 
There is no defined measure of enough that is going to make you feel worthy of what you want or is going to make you truly worthy of what you want. And as people pleasers in particular, right, which this person states that she is, this desire to meet some external benchmark, right, of enoughness, it makes a ton of sense. You know, if you're a people pleaser, we don't really trust ourselves, and I am one too, we don't really trust ourselves to know when we've done enough of anything, that we are enough of anything. We don't trust our own barometer because our barometer has always been other people and their feelings and their experiences or their opinions of us, right? So if I'm a people pleaser, even listening to this right now, I might be thinking like, yeah, okay, Aubrey, this is all well and good, but like, how am I going to know? You're saying there's no there's no benchmark, there's no finish line, but how am I going to know if I'm good enough, I'm healed enough, I'm whatever enough if someone else doesn't tell me so? If you don't tell me, like, how am I going to know? And like, sure, I think you can wait for someone else to tell you, and maybe someone will, but I think even if somebody else does tell you, like, oh, congratulations, you have, you have healed enough, I think those markers are always going to be arbitrary. Especially when it comes to something as nebulous as like, I'm a people pleaser and I'm working on being less of a people pleaser. I don't think there's ever a moment when that's done. Right? Those markers are always going to be arbitrary. And now, what I'm not saying here is that we shouldn't, we shouldn't pursue or prioritize healing and recovery and growth. Right? We have to. We have to pursue those things. We have to prioritize those things because you deserve to live a life that is full of joy and is full of self-awareness and gratitude and healing and growth make that possible, right? Healing and growth are often prerequisites to that full sense of joy. But they are also lifelong journeys, so, you know, the reason you'll never be done is not because, oh, it's not even worth starting because I'm never going to finish. It's you're just never going to be done because it's ongoing forever. There's a reason that, you know, when you talk to folks who are, you know, in 12 step programs or, you know, in some kind of, you know, substance abuse or addiction recovery, where often stuff can feel way more concrete. You look at like number of days you've been clean and sober. You, you know, there are more distinctive kind of mile markers Even in programs like that, you don't hear somebody say, I'm recovered from addiction, right? Folks say, I'm in recovery or I'm recovering. And there's a reason for that. And it's because there is this understanding that this process is ongoing, right? It's, this is what I'm saying. There is no finish line. And now this person is asking specifically about foster care which I want to talk about, you know, this idea of caring for kids and for families who have experienced trauma. And so, you know, I say all of this, which I very much stand by, this idea that like your healing is never going to be done. There's never going to be a point where you're like, yes, it's complete. Check that off the list. Now I'm ready to go on to the next thing. But this makes it a little bit stickier because you don't You, of course, don't want to put your own shit onto kids who have already been through a lot, right? If you are still in a place where you feel particularly messy, if you are feeling like it's out of control for you, if you are feeling kind of overwhelmed by it, 
not wanting to bring another human into that who you are then responsible for. You know, you're taking on a level of responsibility for someone else and for their healing, right? You know, we're going into foster care. When you want to become a foster parent, there's some degree to which, you know, you're not expected to be a mental health professional for your foster children, but there is some level of, of healing that you are hoping to do as a foster parent and that you are signing on to do. And so, you know, all of this to say, this is not me saying, yeah, whatever point in your healing journey you're in, you should just jump right into being a foster parent. And so that's what gives me pause here. And, you know, so maybe if this person were just beginning their healing journey, right? They were like, oh, I've just just been able to recognize that I'm a people pleaser, just had my first session with my coach, and, you know, they're helping me to kind of work through some of this, and I think I'm going to become a foster parent. Okay. Or if they if they were saying, yeah, I like really struggle in all my relationships and they like all make me feel like shit and I'm not sure why and I want to make everyone else happy but can't make myself happy. Um, and I think I might want to be a foster parent. Those are moments, right, where somebody's just starting this journey or they are not even on the path yet, right? They're not even recognizing what the issue is for them that maybe I would say, you know what, maybe hold off just for now, not indefinitely, but like, Maybe it's the time to like fully focus on you and put that energy into like getting your healing going, right? But, you know, this person says, and I actually had the pleasure of speaking with this person, which is was lovely. Um, but this person says in their note, like, I'm working with a therapist on this. I'm like, so they're able to name, I, I experience people-pleasing tendencies. They're saying, I'm working closely with a therapist on this. So that tells me, before I even spoke with this person, just from reading their note, they've identified, like, I'm a people pleaser. These are behaviors I have. And I'm working with someone on them. I'm working with somebody who is skilled in helping me to kind of process through these things, identify my behaviors, get at the root of them. And in actually speaking with this person and hearing more of their story, they have done actually a ton of work to recognize their people-pleasing tendencies. There is a ton of self-awareness there. They're able to understand the why behind their behaviors even, kind of the root of it, going back to childhood wounds, going back to, you know, what the source of a lot of this is for them, right? And are working to rewire some of those things, to notice when these people-pleasing behaviors come up for them and begin to change those behaviors. That's work that they are actively doing and have been doing, right? This person has put a ton of work already into their healing and recovery. And still, this person is questioning if it's enough, right? If they're fully healed, if they are 100%, I believe, operating on all cylinders is the language that the, the letter uses, right? And, you know, this is what I have to say about parenting when you have had your own childhood wounds or your own mental health shit or, you know, trauma, whether it's capital T trauma or lowercase lower t trauma, um, you know, regardless of what you have experienced, but, you know, if you've experienced some shit and then you become a parent, you do not have to be perfect and unblemished to be a great parent. So, you know, I think, and this is based in my experience, but I've also talked to a lot of folks who are parents, many of whom have who have been parents longer than me and to more children than me. 
the most meaningful thing for your child, for a child in your life, is to be parented by an adult who can keep them safe, okay, meet their basic needs and ensure that they are safe, provide them with love and nourishment. So if you are able to, you know, nourish them, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, provide them love, pour into them, right? And that you have the self-awareness as an adult to know when you are slipping into old patterns. So again, this isn't me saying like you can't ever slip into old patterns, but the self-awareness to notice when it's happening, to know what those patterns are for you, right? And the ability to ask for help and admit when you're wrong or when you mess up. So it's like you need to keep a kid safe. You need to provide them with love and with nourishment and enrichment, right? And as for yourself, it's having that self-awareness to know when you're slipping back into old patterns and the ability to ask for help and admit when you're wrong. So to give like a concrete example of this from this person who wrote this letter, this person shared with me a pattern that played out in her childhood around gratitude. So this person's dad would give, you know, and this is where kind of a lot of the the people-pleasing stuff comes from for her. So her dad would give her lots of gifts, like actual items, gifts, expensive things, um, things like that to express love. That was kind of like his primary expression of love. But there was a very specific kind of response expected with that gift giving, right? There was this certain level of gratitude that needed to be expressed. And if it wasn't, he would be angry. She would be scolded if she didn't express kind of adequate gratitude. And he would call her ungrateful. And so it kind of cemented this this narrative of like, she's ungrateful. And she now as an adult sees this same pattern playing out. So there's the things at play, right, are that she is, you know, she's experienced this conditioning of you need to respond to people in a certain way and make other people feel a certain way. And that is expected of you or you are going to be scolded or punished if you are not making other people feel a certain way, right? So that's kind of programmed in for her. But then there is also this piece of gift giving as a mode of affection. And that's part of her people pleasing pattern is that she is you know, giving people gifts, lavishing them with all of these gifts and favors and affections that they don't necessarily want, right? And this is definitely like classic people pleaser behavior. This is certainly one flavor of it. And so, you know, what's then also people pleaser behavior is kind of feeling pissed off or resentful or hurt when people don't lavish you with that same affection back in return or don't respond exactly the way you wanted them to respond. Because that people-pleasing behavior ultimately is a form of manipulation. It's a way to get the love we want by kind of lavishing that love on others, hoping that they will intuit that they should do the same in return. And so she sees herself doing the same thing, feeling angry when other people aren't having the response she wants them to have and feels herself feeling that same response of her dad, that you're being ungrateful reaction and is fearful that that's going to come up for her in a parenting moment, right? That that that's going to come up when she has a child in her home and she would never dream of having a child in her home who she's entered into, you know, being a foster parent voluntarily. She wants to do this. It's meaningful work to her. You know, she understands that kids who are in foster care did not ask for this. 
And she is fearful that, you know, she might slip into old patterns and have a moment where she feels angry that a child in her care is not responding to, you know, her affection or her attention or a gift she gave or, you know, special treatment of some kind and that she will feel resentful and possibly tell them that they're behaving in an ungrateful way, right? So she's asking, you know, what if I play that out with a foster child? Like, is that going to make me a horrible foster parent? And my response to that is, look, you are going to fuck up as a parent. You just are. You're going to say shit. And as soon as it comes out of your mouth, you're going to regret it. And that's, I believe that's just being a parent. And now the only kind of parent I've been is a foster parent. So, but again, I've spoken to many parents and I have been parented by parents. And I think that that's just part of being a parent. It's not just foster parenting, okay? A kid is going to push your buttons and test your boundaries and frustrate you because kids are small humans and that's what humans do to each other and you know even more so for kids who are in foster care who have to kind of pressure test your trust and you know your love and care for them right they're going to push your buttons and yeah you're probably going to get pissed at your kid and is it ideal if you get pissed and frustrated and you end up calling your kid an ungrateful little shit no it's not great but that doesn't have to be like the game-changing, earth-shattering moment, I don't think. I think we can get pissed and we can say something that we don't mean or something that sounds a little more harsh than we meant it to. And the game-changing difference is the repair moment. It is going back after that happens, after you have taken a minute to cool down, to you know collect yourself, And going back to the kid, and it doesn't matter how old they are. I, you know, have done this with our eight-year-old. I've done this, you know, with our youngest when she was three. And I've done this with, you know, my younger teenage siblings too. I've, you can, I think you can do, I've done this literally with my wife. You can do this at, with any age. It is going back once you have calmed down and saying, hey, I am sorry about what I said to you. It's really hard for me when I, you know, in this case, it's really hard for me when, you know, I would hope that you would express gratitude or, you know, say thank you or whatever for X, Y, Z thing. And you didn't do that. And I reacted out of frustration. But there is no excuse for me talking to you that way. And I'm really sorry. That is the game-changing moment because what you are doing there is you are, one, you are naming a feeling and you're not making an excuse, right? This isn't about like, yeah, you can get pissed at your kids and say whatever the fuck you want and then, you know, go back and just say, I'm sorry, and it makes it better. That's obviously not the case. But I think when there are those moments where you're feeling activated and you get more frustrated than you would have liked, it is... It is game changing for you to be able to name what emotion you are feeling, for your kid to be able to see that you feel anger, that you feel sadness, that you feel hurt, because you're modeling that for them. You're modeling for them how to then handle that. You're modeling for them that when you say something hurtful to somebody that like hiding in shame and never bringing it up again is not the move, right? 
And, you know, because you know this is your pattern, because you know the childhood wounds that this is stemming from, you know, to the person who wrote this letter, I, I feel confident that you'll be able to have these meaningful repair moments. If you are self-aware enough to know the things that are activating for you, the situations that, that trigger you and have you feel, you know, frustrated or hurt or sad or whatever it is that bring up those old patterns for you, that make you feel like, you know, you want to slip back into those behaviors that you're trying to heal from and work on, you know what those are and then you have language to name them. And that's what you bring into those repair moments with kids, right? Or with adults. And, you know, that you won't be perfect and your kids will see you imperfect. But what they're also seeing then is you admitting when you fuck up and taking accountability. They're seeing you say, I'm sorry. I felt this. I reacted in this way. And there's no excuse for it. And I'm sorry. And how can I make it better? They're also seeing you healing. They're seeing that they, you know, have a foster mom who goes to therapy, who invests in her own ongoing wellness and recovery and healing, and who is self-aware and who talks about her feelings and what she experiences, right? They're seeing that a range of emotions is normal and healthy and that it can be experienced safely, and that you are someone to safely experience, experience it with because you know what it's like. And you'll model all of that for them. And I just think if we wait until we are perfect or totally healed or 100% ready or whatever, then you'll never get to offer that humanness and that connection and love to a kid. And a kid who needs love and connectedness. And I think that would be a shame. So, you know, ultimately, this is what I say. There is no finish line. You will never be done healing. It's a forever journey. It's ongoing. But as long as you are on that journey and you are aware of what you're working on and you have an infrastructure of support around you along the way, I don't think that should stop you from pursuing things that will be meaningful to you. And even though what I've been saying this whole episode is that there is not a finish line to healing and recovery, I believe there absolutely is a starting line. There is for every person a place distinctively that they begin their intentional journey of healing. And so, you know, for you, maybe you are just creeping up to that starting line (laughs) and, you know, you might be doing it tentatively, maybe a little bit wary, a little bit afraid, which is okay. You know, maybe you're completely ready to start on that path, but you are still a little bit unsure about exactly how to get started. Maybe you're already on the path, okay, you're already on the trek you know, a ways away, but you need a little boost of accountability and inspiration. Or maybe you are stuck somewhere. Maybe you're stuck at an impasse and you need a guide. And I got to say, no matter where you are in the journey, I would love to support you with one-on-one coaching. So 
as a coach, I talk to my one-on-one clients weekly and I work with them through things like befriending an inner critic, breaking the cycle of people-pleasing, reconnecting with your own desire, your own wants, your own needs, you know, things like goal setting and accountability. These are all things I talk about weekly with my one-on-one clients, just having that regular space that is just for you. And so if this is appealing to you, if you're interested in coaching one-on-one with me, you want to learn more, and you want to experience some actual coaching, I actually offer a 30-minute consult and sample session totally free of charge. So we will spend 30 minutes, we'll talk about what we can accomplish together, what types of things you might want to work on, the logistics of coaching. We'll do a little bit of live coaching so you can see what my coaching actually feels like and decide together if coaching with me is right for you. So whether you're curious or you're totally ready to jump in, you can learn more and sign up at aubreyhenderson.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved it, please take a second to subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a rating or a review, and take a screenshot and share it on social media or with a friend who needs to hear a message like this one. I love the chance to hear from you and connect with you because it gives me the opportunity to remind you that you are worthy, worthy of wholeness and happiness and just good things. So send me the question or the topic that's keeping you up at night or that you just want to hear more about. You can send me a voice memo at anchor.fm slash Aubrey Henderson, and I can actually include any voice memos that you send me in the show, which I think is pretty rad. Or you can send a good old-fashioned written message from my website at aubreyhenderson.com. I'll see you next time, babes.